We're going to talk about tongues in the scriptures. First area that we're going to cover tonight is the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right? The gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus talked about the gift of the Holy Ghost in several uh, passages here. Let me go a little further than Jesus. When uh, Isaiah 28, 11 is an Old Testament scripture that prophesies the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And then John the Baptist said, uh, I am not he, but he who comes after me, whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He said that in Matthew. He said that in uh, Luke. And I think he said it also in Mark, possibly as well. So John the Baptist also talked about this. Jesus said, John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said. Now, he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said. So, believing was, a, was the key point here, but Jesus also said, as the Scripture hath said. So the Scripture is going to Lego up, okay, you know what that means? Like Lego. It's going to snap together with believing. The scripture is going to snap together with believing. And he said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now this is King James, 400-year-old English, but let's go on. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is talking about receiving the Holy Ghost here. All right? The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Jesus. Right? Somebody says, your house haunted? I said, yes. We got one ghost there, the Holy Ghost. Let us look at you like, okay. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily. Now let me tell you about verily, verily. In the Jewish culture, whenever they repeated an, an opening on a line, that was telling them, you need to pay attention here. So Jesus was saying, listen up, Nicodemus, what I'm going to tell you. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. So Jesus is saying here that to be born again, there is some agents that have to be taking place in your life. And he quoted them up here when he said water and spirit. You following me? So far? Okay. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says this. He saith unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Isn't that nice? Now, this is Jesus talking here. Jesus is saying this, 
and he is speaking out of the Gospels. The top of page 1 says this. We're talking about the spirit birth or the personal rebirth. This is not a gift of the Spirit in the church. This is not a gift of the Spirit. I heard somebody say, oh, I got the Holy Ghost, so I have the gift of tongues now. No, you just got the evidence. Boy, some of you are scratching your Holy Ghost head right now. What are you talking about? I'm going to show you. All right? You just got the evidence. You cannot go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and do anything in any of those passages if you don't have the Holy Ghost. Because all those gifts come out of the Spirit. For Christmas last year, uh, we got Amy one of those heavy-duty mixers. What is it? KitchenAid. You know, the big monster one. You know, it sits still and the whole kitchen spins, you know. And guess what? Uh, you can get attachments for that. You can put a noodle cutter on it. The noodle cutter costs as much as the mixer does. No, but anyhow, because we priced them. And you know what? Don't ever, listen, let me tell you something. If you're going to buy somebody a present on Amazon, don't look it up where they can see what you looked up. Well, I don't have an account, so I use their account. So, see? Now and you can order it for me, smarty pants. Amen. <laughs> Oh, he did a pretty good job on the drums tonight. Yeah. Woo. Guess what? That KitchenAid will do things that other mixers won't do. There's stuff that comes out from that KitchenAid. It's the same thing with the, the gifts of the Spirit. You've got to have the Holy Ghost first before these gifts can come out. All right? So when you, when you receive the Holy Ghost... And you're going to speak with tongues. That is not the gift of tongues. That's just the evidence. That's just telling you, you just got your passport to travel through the journey with Jesus now. That's just telling you, you have just got heaven in your life. Does that make sense? So what's happening here, the following scriptures that we just read were found all in the Gospels. Right? Now remember, if you're in search for truth, you're going to hear this. The Gospels introduce us to Christ. You can look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are basically biographies. Matthew sees Jesus as a servant. Luke sees him as a healer and a miracle worker. Mark sees him as a son of man. John sees him as a son of God. Each one of them tells basically the same story about the same person, but in a different sense. So you can go at, from the book of Mark, Matthew, the end of it, and go right to the book of Acts. You can stop in Mark chapter 16 and go right into the book of Acts. Are you seeing what I'm saying? What's happening is we are in, being introduced to Jesus in these Gospels. Now, let's go on. The next scriptures that we're going to talk about on the top of page 2, these scriptures are found in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a history book of the early church. Why is it called the Acts? The Acts of the Apostles, the actions, what the Apostles did. Everybody's got your page now? Your paper? We're on top of page 2. Alright, so we're now in the book of Acts and we are going to see what the early church preached. 
what the early church taught, what happened in the early church. First of all, there are three main subcultures here and cultures of people that Jesus has to reach. That's going to be the Jews, the Samaritans, and the Gentiles. First of all, Acts chapter number 2, verses 1 through 4, the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Right? Isn't that what it says? They received the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This basically, now this wasn't the gift of tongues. This was a sign that they had received it. You know what? When you graduate from high school, they give you a cap and a gown and then you put the tassel on one side until you walk down the aisle. Yep, Brecklin, yours is coming. Right? And then on that hot, steamy evening in May, when we're going to be in a stinky gym with 3,000 people, and we're going to watch kids walk in there with big old shoes on and no socks, and, you know, because they're going to buck the system. Anyway, no, forget about my rants. They're going to take that tassel and move it to the other side. What does that do? That is a sign that they're completed, they've completed the course. Tongues are a sign that you have received the Holy Ghost. Well, are you sure? Let's go on. Let's look at the Samaritans. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now, guess what? Watch this next verse here. For as yet, he was fallen, who is he? Who's it talking about here? The Holy Ghost. For as yet, he, the Holy Ghost, was not fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, why did it happen like this? Were you theological scholars? Notice who they sent down. Who was the, the evangelist that went to Samaria? Philip. Philip went, preached the word, they got baptized, they received the word with joy, but yet the Holy Ghost wasn't fallen on any of them, right? That's what the word says, right? So they sent Peter and John. Now, I've got to take you back to Matthew when Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? One guy in that whole crowd said, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, Peter, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. On this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give also unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Right? So, who preached on the day of Pentecost? Peter. Who went down to lay hands on the Samaritans' heads? Peter. 
The Holy Ghost was not going to fall on the Samaritans until Peter got there. Because Peter had the keys. Because Jesus said so. So, they received the Holy Ghost in Samaria. Cornelius, the first Gentile. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46. That's what we are. We're Gentiles. If you're not Jewish in here, you're Gentilish. Okay? 95% of us are Gentiles here. Now, notice who is doing the Gentiles in Acts 10.44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Alright, we're all good with that, right? And they of the circumcision. Now, who is the circumcision here? It's the Jews. The old head Jews who came with Peter of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 46. How do they know they received the Holy Ghost? How do they know they had received the Holy Ghost? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, I just keep on going. The 12 Ephesian elders, Acts chapter 19, verse 5. Top of page 3 now. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So now this is Paul. Notice Acts chapter 2, Peter and the Jews. Acts chapter 8, Peter and the Samaritans. Acts chapter 10, Peter and the Gentiles. So God, right? Jesus Christ has done, fulfilled, that's not very good English, but that's what it is, has fulfilled the promise to Peter when he said, I'm going to give you the keys and you're going to unlock the door for all of them. And so he did. Now we have Paul in Acts chapter number 19. When they heard this, the Ephesian elders, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So this is pretty good so far. And all the men were about 12. Now, is anybody saying, why is this so hard? Why, why is this so difficult? This is the word. This is in there just like John 3.16. Like the black guy with the big afro at all the Monday night football games in the 70s. You remember him, Pete? Huh? He would hold up. This guy had an afro this big. And he must have had a lot of money because he was at every Monday night football game. And they'd get the camera on him and he'd shake his head and hold up a sign that said, John 3.16. Does anybody else remember that? Thanks, Brother Dave. The rest of you don't even... Were you even alive? You guys were alive.
So they get the Holy Ghost and they speak in tongues on the day of Pentecost. They get the Holy Ghost. Now it does not say that they spoke in tongues in, in Acts chapter 8. It, the Samaritans, it just says that they received the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to say that they probably was a 99.9999, probably 100% chance that they spoke in tongues because they did at Pentecost and they did at, at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10 and they did in Acts chapter number 19. And Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. You'll cast out devils. You'll speak with new tongues. Right? Okay. Now, this is your personal relationship all that we've talked about so far is for you personally this is for you okay this is not for the church what we're getting ready to go into next is how tongues are used in the church when you say i got the holy ghost and i got the gift of tongues no and eh. you just got the holy ghost because we're going to see the gift of tongues here is going to be totally different. All of that, does that make sense? That's your personal. Pages 1 and 2 are your personal walk with the Lord. Okay? Does that make any, is, is there anybody, I don't want to leave anybody behind. Everybody's with me? Now let's go to Corinthians. Tongues as used in the church. We are now... This is going to be the gifts of the Spirit. These scriptures are found in the epistles, which are letters written to the churches that were established in the book of Acts, specifically the Corinthian church. It was Acts chapter 16, I think, maybe it wasn't, but it was close there. Okay, so what, what a letter is, they were in Sunday school one day, and somebody said, does anybody know what an epistle is? And Johnny raised his hand. And the teacher said, yes, Johnny. What is it? He said, it's an apostle's wife. Okay. All right, never mind. It's a letter. <laughs> All right, so we are going now in 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing back to the church that he helped to birth in the book of Acts. All right. The New Testament is divided into four basic areas. The first area is the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They introduce us to Christ. The next section is one book of history. That's the book of Acts. The next books are the, called the Epistles. That's from Romans all the way to Jude. Those are letters of instruction written back to the churches that were founded in the book of Acts. There are no churches founded in the Epistles. They're all founded in Acts. Acts chapter 19 that we read about when Paul laid hands on the Ephesian elders, what church was founded there? The church of Ephesus. Make sense? See how this works? Then you have the book of prophecy, which is Revelation. There's four things. The Gospels introduce us to Christ. The book of Acts puts us in Christ. The epistles keep us in Christ. And the prophecy, Revelation, shows us what our life with Christ and our future is going to be. Right? So now we're in the epistles, which are letters of instruction sent back to the church. Just like Amy and I started this church almost 10 years ago, if we went away and uh, Brother Dave was pastoring, you know, we could send a letter back and say, Okay, Dave... You make sure that Megan Edwards eats plenty of different kinds of food at the next potluck. Other than pizza. 
What is that? That's a letter of instruction. That's an epistle. Okay? Make sure that Randall doesn't string hot dogs through the war room when Geneva's trying to fast and pray. I heard about it, Geneva. I was praying for you, honey. Randall had that smile on his face. He said, I went, uh. I told him he shouldn't do it. I know, I'm sorry. That's an epistle. So I'm sending that letter back to tell you. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, we're going to do 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to do 14. Notice what's sandwiched in between the two chapters on the gifts of the Spirit. Love. All right? We have to learn how to do this in love. Now, what the Holy Ghost does is the Holy Ghost does a lot of stuff for us. It gives us boldness, power to witness. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It gives you power to overcome sin. It gives you power to love your wife, power to love your husband. Amen. He'll lead and guide you in all truth. He'll show you things to come. But also, when the Lord was going to establish the church on the earth, it wasn't going to be a dead church. It was going to be a live church because his spirit is here. Okay? When we look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, we are looking at the administration and the operation of the gifts of the spirit which come out of the Holy Ghost and our personal experience with the Lord when we come together as a body of believers like this. Okay? Everybody's with me on that? Now, this is the Amplified. I read this, these chapters in several different versions, and so the Amplified, I kind of liked how it said it. Aren't you glad I didn't do King James? But if I get messed up, it's because I'm reading Amplified, but I'm, uh, King James is in me. Now, about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments... Of supernatural energy, brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. You know that you were heathen, you were led off after idols. The King James calls them dumb idols. Paul said you followed after dumb idols. That could not speak habitually as impulse directed and whenever the occasion might arise. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit of God can ever say, Jesus be cursed. And no one can really say, Jesus is my Lord, except by and under the power uh, and influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are distinctive varieties and distributions of endowments or gifts or extraordinary powers distinguishing certain Christians due to the power of divine grace operating in their souls by the Holy Spirit. Now what he's saying there is, everybody has different gifts, but they all come from the same Spirit. Make sense so far? You happy? But they vary, but the Holy Spirit, verse 4, remains the same. And there are distinctive varieties of service and ministration, but is the same Lord who is served. And there are distinctive varieties of operation, of working to accomplish things, but it is the same God who inspires and energizes them all in all. But to each one is given 
the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit for good and profit. What Paul is saying here is, he's leading us into, he wants us to be profitable. He wants, when we come into the church service, to be profitable to the whole body. Not just to ourselves. Does that make sense? When, when Randall comes in, the Lord wants him to be an encourager to everyone around him. When Mike comes in, the Lord wants him to be a blessing to all those that he comes in contact with. When Kevin walks in, we want to see if he's got his Seahawks shirt underneath his other coat. That's what I discovered last week. I said, Kevin, what about the game? And he just unzipped his shirt. There's a Seahawks t-shirt under his. Uh, praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Now, so that's the key that you have to remember. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about the edification the strengthening of the whole body. But people come to you and say, if you're speaking in tongues, you shouldn't speak in tongues because you don't speak 10,000 tongues and then five in an in a understanding language. That ain't going to help nobody. So don't speak in tongues at all. But Paul's not saying that. What Paul's saying is when we come together, we are coming together for everybody. It's the unity of the body. He gets into that as we go on. Let's see what happens here. Okay. Verse 8, to one is given in and through the Holy Spirit the power to speak a message of wisdom, and to another the power to express a word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Holy Spirit. That's why I said earlier, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you don't have the gifts of the Spirit. It ain't happening. So if anybody tells you, you got all, I got all these gifts, and you say, you got the Holy Ghost, well, I don't think so. Well, you don't have any gifts then. All you got is talk. Because the Word says all of these come out of the same Spirit. To one is given, to another, wonder-working faith by the same Holy Spirit. To another, the extraordinary powers of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophetic insight, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose. To another, the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterances of true spirits and false ones. And to another, various kinds of unknown tongues. To another, the ability to interpret such tongues. That's why, we'll just use this for an example. That's what, okay, Kevin has the gift of tongues. If you don't know that, just hang around a while. And he'll scare the fire right out of you. I'm trying to have you move. Can, can, I said, Kevin, can you move that a little easier next time? Because I'm not even standing beside him. And that's like, whoa. I'm up here and it's like, whoa. I'm glad the music's playing. I have the ability, the gift that I can interpret. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this, so I'm going to try to keep it simple. I also have the ability that I can prophesy. And when I, when I is, I can give a spiritual utterance without a message in tongues. Okay? You have the gift of tongues. Someone who, in the, in the service, 
gives out a message in tongues. When he gives out a message in tongues, most of the time the music goes down. Everybody gets a hush, you know. I mean, you're going to see anything. In a church like this, you can see anything, all right? Most people come from churches and it's like, they just die from the neck down, right? And they're, shh. Here, it's a rock concert. A hundred decibels, loud music, right? And somehow the Lord just keeps on moving, doesn't he? It just, he, just, he just keeps on doing it. Kevin, Kevin gives a message in tongues, and then I have the ability, if the Lord helps me, that I know how to yield to that, and I can interpret the tongue. Each of us, and it's talking about here, it's talking about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, it's talking about discerning of spirits, not the gift of discernment. People say, well, I have the gift of discernment. There is no such gift. It's the discerning of spirits. Okay? You got to make sure you read your Bible. Okay, so let's go on. Page three, four, page four. Well, look, look. Let's go. Teresa, that's a good question. Look back here. Look back here. Look at the verse 10, bottom of page three. Right? 1 Corinthians 12, 10. To another the working of miracles. To another... See, now this is, this is all gifts. Now, I don't know if there's people that exist in the world that have all the gifts of the Spirit. I don't think there are. Because there's a lot of them. There are just basically nine of the spiritual... This, uh, what do I want to say here? The spiritually ignited gifts that operate in a church service. But there's about 27 actually. There's gifts, there's, a, there's helps, there's service, there's administration, there's understanding, there's knowledge, there's music, there's exorcism, there's uh, all kinds, okay? So, and there's also um, uh, martyrdom, that's good for one time. Some of you caught that, okay? So, verse 10, verse 10 it's just one time through on that. So you got prophetic insight, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose. To another, the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterances of true spirits and false ones. To another, various kinds of unknown tongues. So that's Kevin. To another, the ability to interpret such tongues. That's moi. Okay? We're going to get into, in chapter 14, we're going to get into the point where Paul even says if there's two or three tongues that go forth, messages in tongues, and nobody's there to interpret, shut her down, let's go on. Okay? So does that make sense? Is that helping you? Hey, these are your papers, so write on them, mark on them, whatever, Sister Geneva. And that's in, that's in the church service. This.
So what we're in now is we're in Corinthians, so we're in church administration here. We're in a service order here, okay? But in his personal life, he can speak in tongues 95% of the time all day and never know what he's saying. I do. But I do know what I'm saying with scripture, so I'll show you that later too. Brecklin. Yeah, some people get really fired up. They get in the emotion of the thing, you know. Uh, oh, you'll know. The whole body will know. The body knows, okay. The body's the judge. And uh, we were in a church years ago. I'm not even going to tell you where it is, okay. And this is back in the late 80s. The wall in Berlin is still up. The Russians hate the Americans, and the Americans hate the Russians. And there was uh, altar service, and suddenly there was a tongues, and everything was quiet. And then this guy starts saying, Yea, verily I say unto thee, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. <laughs> All right, I'm telling you the truth. I did not make that up. I can tell you, I can take you to the man's grave today. We knew that wasn't the Lord. We already knew the Russians were coming. He didn't, the Lord didn't have to tell us. We knew that, you know. And, of course, you know, in circles as you travel and stuff, you know, one time the Lord said, yea, there are, I know things are tough down there. I know it's hard. And there's even days when I, I even don't know what to do. You know that ain't the Lord either, okay, because the Lord always knows what to do. So you can tell. You can tell. It will, the body, it will either match and flow with the body or the body will say, Oh, that was just Pete, and he ate too many beans last night. You know? God is trying, to, what's, what's going on in the service is the, the intent of the service, and we're going to see this, this is going to answer a lot of questions. The intent of the service is to edify the body. That's us. So we want to be edified. We want to be strengthened. Kevin, is that a hands up? Mm -hmm. All right, let's go on. Let's go on here. Uh, let's turn the page. One, two, three, four. No, not page seven. We're going to page four. Four. Page, page four, verse 11. You see it? It says, all these gifts or achievements or abilities are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses. Okay? You will receive your gift according to what the Lord wants to gift you with. Alright, so now it says one body with many parts. Okay? For just as the body is a unity and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. That's how the Amplified always says that. For by means of a personal agency of one Holy Spirit, we were all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, baptized, and by baptism united together into one body and made to drink of one Holy Spirit. See, that's where Paul's bringing it all together and saying we're all in this because of one common denominator, and that's the Holy Ghost. Okay? So what he's saying here is, now I'm going to explain to you that the body is made up of many different parts. 
I'm going to show you how the church is made up of the same thing, many different parts. But we are all here because of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Verse 14, For the body does not consist of one limb or organ, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, would it, there be, would it be therefore not a part of the body? If the ear should say, Because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, would it be therefore not a part of the body? If the whole body were the eye, then I, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed and arranged the limbs and organs in the body, each particular one of them, just as he wished and saw fit and with the best adaptation. But if the whole were a single organ, where would the body be? So not everybody's going to have the gift of tongues. Not everybody's going to have the word of knowledge. Not everybody's going to have prophecy or interpretation of tongues. But whatever God puts in you and on you and uses you with, that is going to help strengthen the whole body. So Corinthians is a letter from Paul that's telling them, I want you to use the gifts, no matter what they are, knowledge, wisdom, discerning the spirits, faith, even tongues. Let's all say that. Tongues. I want you to use all, even tongues to build up the body. Okay? So, he's using all of these to build up the body. All right. And now there are certainly many limbs and organs but a single body and the eye is not able to say to the hand i have no need of you nor again the head to the feet i have no need of you but instead there is an absolute necessity for the parts of the body that are considered the more weak and those parts of the body which we consider rather ignoble how about that are the very parts which we invest with additional honor and are seemingly parts unseemly parts, and those unsuitable for exposure are treated with seamless modesty and decorum, which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so adjusted, he's mingled, harmonized, and subtly proportioned the parts of the whole body, giving the greater honor and richer endowment to the inferior parts which lack apparent importance. Every part is important. That's what he's saying about the church. Every part of the church is important. Now, we can go and we can go to ministrations here. Let's leave the church service for a minute and go to ministrations. Guess what? It's very important to have a nursery ministry. Okay? And the reason it's very hard to have a nursery, it's very, you need a nursery ministry, is you've got people who come to church and they want to get God in their lives. And just about the time they're ready to surrender to God and let God come into their life, those little darlings are pinching on them. They're pulling their hair. They're slapping their mom in the face. She's trying to pray and ask God into her life, and the kid's smacking her in the face because the devil is pinching that kid. You don't believe that. Devils pinch kids just, in the, just at the right time. Okay. You ever had the, it, it, all right, Aunt Kay, you know we've been praying for Aunt Kay's house to sell? 
Remember that, Kay? Right? Okay. She had somebody come and look. They were going to come by and look one more time. What's that? That's a good sign. When did they come? When we got five inches of rain in two days and the water was in the basement foot deep. Had the money and everything ready to go. That's the devil tension. I like to be just, I just want to treat the devil like a crawfish and just pinch his head all right off. Hallelujah. Never mind. See, I got out of the spirit there. All right. Verse 24. Which are more, we already read that. Verse 25. So that there should be no division or discord or lack of adaptation of the body, parts of the body, to each other, but the members all alike should have a mutual interest in and care for one another. Guess what? My hand cares for the blackheads in my ears if I don't clean my ears. Don't you just look at me. You get them too. I could have used something better, couldn't I? Yeah. All right. My hands care about you, Sister Sylvia, because I brush my teeth with my hands so you don't smell nasty bad breath when I walk in. That much better? That's much better. Because my hands, then they comb my hair. I used to see old guys and they have these wild hairs and I'm thinking, my God, why don't they comb their hair? And now I'm doing the same thing. It's like, I'm just like so-and-so. My, you know? Hey, something very important in your life that you don't even know is your hand, your wrist, and your elbow. That's what gets the food from the table up to your mouth. Come on now. You've got to remember all this, right? Your feet take you to, to the restroom. Your feet take you to the refrigerator. Your feet take you to the doctor. You see what I'm saying? All the members have a mutual interest in. So Paul is saying in the church, we all have a mutual interest here. That makes sense? And if one member suffers, all the parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all the members share in the enjoyment of it. Now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, each part severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. So Paul just goes through the human body, the church body. Verse 28, so God has appointed some in the church for his own use. First apostles. Now, watch, I want to, I want to show you how the church structure is set up. Did you realize all this was in one chapter? Dude, Paul was a, he was a Holy Ghost monster. All right? This guy was a genius. So now, here he says, I want to show you how the church body is set up. God has appointed some in the church for his own use. First, apostles, special messengers. Second, prophets, inspired preachers and expounders. Third, teachers. Then, wonder workers and those with the ability to heal the sick, helpers, administrators, speakers in different and unknown tongues. Now, somebody that's anti-tongue would say, see, God put it, had Paul put it there last, so it don't matter. Ah, are you kidding me? What he was saying was this. This is how I want the church built. The church is built by the special messengers, then the inspired preachers and expounders, then the teachers. Because you have to have a firm foundation in the Word. The Word is our anchor. 
Okay? After that comes, look what comes after that. The wonder workers and then the ability to heal the sick. If we just had every service, I come in here and we blow on you and you fall out. And you know, we have a good old time. All we're built on is emotion. So Paul said, I want to put the prophets and the apostles up there to lay the foundation. But he didn't say, don't pray for people. Don't let people get healed. Because it all has to come together. After that, then he says, after you have to have the word and you have to have the demonstration. A lot of churches have the word, but they don't have the demonstration. If you have all word and no spirit, you're dead. If you have all spirit and no word, you're going to have wildfire. No foundation. Does that make sense? You see what's happening here? Then, after that, then you have the helpers and the administrators. They come in, they do all the copying and all the paperwork, make sure all the binders are out and everything. And after that, we still have tongue talkers. Because you got to have them too. So Paul puts together the church body here. Are all apostles, are all special messengers? Question mark. Are all prophets inspired interpreters of the will and purposes of God? Are all teachers? Do all have the power of performing miracles? Do all possess or extraordinary powers of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces, the higher gifts and the choice choices graces and yet I show you a still a more excellent way one that is better by far and highest of them all love now what Paul was saying was people are going to come in they're going to have a hymn they're going to have a doctrine they're going to have a song they're going to have a revelation and he said all oh, that's good because that helps us build on each other is all this making sense? It's all helping is build on each other. This is the end of chapter 12 here. We ain't going to get done tonight. Now, any questions before we go on? Because we're going to roll right into 14. We're skipping the love chapter tonight. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim your great quest and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual 
endowments, the spiritual gifts. Desire them. Look for them. Especially that you may prophesy. Interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. Why? That's not in the notes. Why? Why covet? Why desire to prophesy? Because what he's been talking about is building up the church. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking... He's not talking about earnestly, earnestly covet prophecy only. Didn't he say desire all the gifts? Seek after the spiritual gifts? Doesn't that include miracles, healings, faith, tongues? Uh-huh. Cultivate the spiritual endowments. Especially that you may prophesy. For one, here we go, for one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. But, on the other hand, the one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching, speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. Notice, he says here, any man who speaks in an unknown tongue, verse number 2, is speaking to God. Not to man. We'll get into this in a page or two. This is your power. If you have the Holy Ghost in your life, this is your wall outlet. This is where you charge up. There'll be times I will come in here and I'll be in here 45 minutes to an hour and I'll speak 95% tongues and 5% English. There are just some things I don't know how to pray about them. If I don't have my flesh crucified, I want to call down fire and consume about half of Fayette County at times. So I just go into tongues. Yes. What about your story about a We ain't telling no stories. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the preacher that spoke it. No, but somebody did. Yeah, the Africans received the Holy Ghost for the first time. Right. And their tongues was English. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you look in Acts chapter 2, look in Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, what is it? You don't know what it is, do you? That's why you're in this class. That's why the registrar puts you in this class, Megan. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 11. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 11, it had just listed all of the nationalities that were there in Pentecost. 
And it says, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own languages, our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. This is not talking about, what he's talking about here is if I'm standing up here and I speak in tongues, for the last 45 minutes, if I'm speaking in tongues, see my tie, tie my tie, set on my Honda, Yamaha, 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 you know what I'm saying? If I do all that, do you understand any of that? You understand Honda, Ty, and Yamaha, right? <laughs> Do you know what a Yamaha is? Yes, very good. Okay. All right. Good. All right. So if I'm speaking that, that's not helping you. I, this is helping you because you understand this. That's what, so what, ha- what happened on the mission field was these people were receiving the Holy Ghost for the very first time. And the tongue that they were speaking was English that they had never learned. Yeah. But what he's saying here, in a church situation, in a gathering, you don't want to speak all this tongues and nobody there to either prophesy or, or to interpret it or speak in your own language so we can understand. Because the goal is, here's what we've got to keep remembering. The main goal of 1 Corinthians is to strengthen the whole body. And that's where a lot of people want to try to discredit an experience that other people get. Well, the Bible says that you're not, if you, you're not supposed to speak in tongues. You're supposed to speak with understanding so everybody knows. That's not talking about the personal. That's not talking about my personal walk with the Lord. My personal walk with the Lord is, mmm, and it ain't Yamahas and Hondas. I just threw that out there for her. The Lord doesn't do anything by accident. So, yeah, it could have been. And there was a, I, I knew some guys who had went to a church convention, a church conference, had an awesome service, and rather than go out and eat, they decided they were going back to their room and pray. And so they went back, I think there was three of them, they went back to the room and they prayed, and they prayed three or four hours, and then suddenly one of the guys gets up in the middle of the hotel room, and he is praying in tongues, and as he is praying in tongues, he begins to spin around, and he's pointing his finger, and he's speaking in tongues. And he spins around, and he points his finger, and he speaks in tongues. And he does this, and he does this. And so the prayer meeting went on for several hours, and finally when, it, when it, the, the guys uh, came back into the first earth here, one of the guys that was there asked the guy who was pointing and was going in circles and speaking in tongues, he said, Do you know French Creole? which is a, the, the language on the western coast of Africa, Sierra Leone, uh, Ghana, all through there, Ivory Coast. And he said, no. He said, well, when you were spinning around, praying in tongues, and you were pointing your finger in the different directions, you were speaking perfect French Creole because this guy had grown up on the mission field in the Ivory Coast. So he knew the language. And he said, you were commanding angels to be released to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Now, the guy spinning and talking in tongues, he had no idea what he was saying. He was just praying, and he was a vessel. I'm telling you, this tongues thing is so powerful. It's another realm. It's not even in this realm. Okay? Does that make sense to you? That doesn't... Con- confuse you anymore does it is that 
Did we answer your question? Okay, so what Paul was saying was we're not going to just come in here like when I was in the Philippines. Some of the words in the Philippines have a Spanish... The, the Philippines were actually conquered by the Spanish explorers hundreds of years ago. So there is a Spanish influence there, so there are a lot of words in the Philippine language that have a Spanish descent to them. And so I could pick up on some things, but then they did this other thing. I can... Yeah, I didn't know nothing about it. You know, we just watched chickens go through and thought about how good they look on our plate. <laughs> While you're preaching. One, there was one church. Every church that I preached in, I could preach in English except one church, and that was the church that the dog went through in the middle of the service, one with the goats outside and the weird steps. And there are some languages that are extinct now. The, the New Testament was written in... Greek, it was written in Koine Greek. Koine Greek is no longer around. They don't even speak it anymore. It's extinct. All right? So uh, let's look at verse 3. We'll be closing down here. But on the other hand, the one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired teaching and preaching, speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. Verse 4, he who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself. But he who prophesies, interprets the divine will and purpose and teaching with inspiration, edifies and improves the church, say the church, and promotes growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. So that's the scripture that says in the King James that it's greater to prophesy than it is to speak with tongues. Why? Because Paul was not talking about personal edification. He was talking about when you come together, I'm telling you, we have to build up the whole body. It, but, it, but, but, ten verses later, Paul's going to say, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. You know he said that? And Paul said, I speak with tongues more than you all. The big fight in Bible college was Paul was not a Yankee what I got out of scripture. Well, how do you know Paul was not a Yankee? Because he said, y'all. See what I had to deal with 35 years ago? Well, okay, what is a Yankee? Anything north of Dallas? Anything north of Dallas, you were a Yankee. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Is it clear? So when it says, when they say, well... You know, but you're not supposed to speak in tongues. You're supposed to be able to interpret. You're taking it out of context. He was putting it together to tell the church, this is how I want this done. This is how we have to strengthen the whole body. All right, we will pick up here next Wednesday. How's that? You want me to collect your papers and keep them for you? Put your name on it. If you put notes on it, I'll, I'll collect them. If you want me to keep them. You want to take them home? Make sure you bring them back. Did Michael take notes?